Test, test, one, two, three. You know who I be. It's your boy, Don Wall, a.k.a. Moral SP. Welcome to another amazing episode of Embrace Matters of Race podcast. I'm joined by Carl and Gabriella. How are y'all doing? All right. How are you? Doing good. I'm, I'm doing good, y'all. It's it's almost summertime. Uh, this This is our last episode before our summer break. Yeah, I ain't hype about that. <laughs> <Y'all say. laughs> Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. What, is, what is summer break when you're an adult? I don't know. Exactly. That's fair. That's fair. But, you know, um, I think the summertime is a great time to take a break. We can uh, do a lot of reflection. We can look back on our season. Um, we can get input. We can actually get out there and get with people and uh, actually live what we talk about instead of just talking about it. So it gives us a great time to do some things and then come back and be ready for the August. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you guys, we have a special episode. This is part two of our intergenerational interviews. Uh, if you have not listened to the previous episode, I would say listen to that first. That's kind of like the foundation of what we're doing right now. Uh, Gabriella had an amazing idea for an experiment and this is part two uh, of it. Um, and the purpose uh, of this intergenerational interview series is to hear from different Christians across different generations, backgrounds, races, creeds, ethnicities. I nailed that word um, to, to gather different perspectives of those pursuing Christ. Uh, we want to recognize and understand how everyone's journey is unique to them because no relationship with God is exactly the same. And there's beauty in that. We're continuing this and we want to see just how beautifully different everyone's journey is. But first, before we introduce our guests, I do have a shout out. I want to shout out Reagan Charnay's Way. This is a special foundation made in honor of Reagan Charnay Chisley. She is my cousin. And today she would have been 21. She was murdered almost a year ago. And today's her birthday. And actually, our family uh, has put together a foundation and there has been a a scholarship uh, to college named um, after her. Uh, And the mission of Charnay's Way uh, or Reagan Charnay's Way is to empower our youth and their families in underprivileged communities through education, health, wellness and financial prosperity. Um, and you can donate to this foundation by going to reaganshardnaysway.org. The link will be in the description of this episode. So love you, Reagan. Happy birthday. And we miss you. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to part two of our intergen interviews. Please welcome to the pod, Susan. This is our clap. Oh, hello. Because they can't hear claps. <laughs> Sign language. Sign language. We're shaking our hands. That's right. Yes. Um, welcome. Welcome, Susan, to the podcast. Thank you. Um, we're so lucky to have you. We just have some questions we want to hear from you and hear about your life. I get um, to be the old person. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. That, that hasn't come yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Um <laughs> Older um, person. Older person. Um, <laughs> yes, our first interview was Darius, and now we have you. 
So uh, just again, Susan, the purpose is to just hear from different Christians and get to learn about their walk with God, their journey, how do they get here, and just some of the things they see about Christianity as a whole. Yeah, so just first off, um, when did it start for you? Like, when did your journey with God start? Well, I guess all of our journey starts at birth, right? So I'm not going to go back to my birth for y'all, hmm. but um, I... um. I, I, when I was a kid, I was not raised in a particularly religious home. I would say I was raised in a very moral home that um, my parents were um, definitely instilled values of hard work, integrity, honesty, but it wasn't necessarily um, because of God. It was just, you know, um, just because it's the right, right thing. But I, um, as a young child, always remember having um, a consciousness of God, an awareness of God, a desire for God. I don't know where that came from. The scripture that always comes to my mind is how it says God sets eternity on the hearts of children. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I just, I just feel like God was always pursuing me in a way that I didn't even, didn't even know, yeah. didn't recognize. Um, but I was, you know, I grew up had a, you know, pretty decent family and whatever we were. Um, but I, I was always sort of, I was always in my mind, feel like I was seeking God. And in high school, I started going to different youth groups and different things, always, um, looking for God. I, and I was a pretty good kid in high school. I went to college and that lasted about three weeks. And then I always say I majored in beer and boys in college. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, that pretty much sums up my college experience, but Halfway through college, I I was conscious stricken in a sense of um, the way I was living my life and felt like um, I really needed to change. But um, and there was a a guy that I um, sang with in a singing group, and um, he was very religious, and so I thought that was the answer. So I you know talked to him, but um, and ended up dating him, of course, and ended up that really. <laughs> didn't necessarily bring me to God, but I was looking for God. And mm-hmm. he, he kind of represented that to me because he was very religious. He ended up going to seminary and, mm-hmm. but he was like the epitome sort of a religiosity to me. Mm-hmm. But in many ways, that relationship was more damaging even than some of the others because it had this form of godliness. Like I expected oh. it to be something that it wasn't. It was very, you know, hypocritical. And um, so it really damaged my faith in a sense more than, you know, because I was actually in my mind desiring God, but and he was sort of, I put him as like the ceiling of what, you know, godliness meant. But when that relationship broke off, I went crazy again and just was partying and all of these things. And then I had just gotten to a point after I graduated from college, I was living in a household with girls that were in my sorority. I was in a sorority in college. I was so cool. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I am... Uh, and I was living with girls that were in my sorority in college, and I had just gotten really tired of that life. Like, um, I decided, like, I always had this desire to do good, wanting to help people. So I went back to school for nursing, and I kind of thought that would fulfill that need in me to be a nurse, to help people. And so I was in school for nursing, living with these girls and their boyfriends and whoever else happened to be in our house at the time, you know, and I just got tired of that. I, I stopped like the partying and I started, um, going to different churches and I would go and I'd sit in the back of all these different churches 
And in my mind, the Baptist church was the way to go because the people that I knew that seemed to be the most committed were usually Baptist. So that was the churches that I would go to. And um, also I'd read the Bible enough to know I hadn't seen, you know, I thought, you know, baptizing adults was what you should do. And that's what they did. And so I'd sit in back of all these churches. And um, then I, uh, I met a girl, a woman when I was in a clinical for nursing and, um, I was so attracted to her. It was Elena, but I was so attracted to her. It was like this instant like pull because she was, um, very different than the other people. She was kind and it was just simple kindness. She was kind to me. She was kind to the patients. She was kind to her coworkers. And I was fascinated by her and she had little earrings in her ears that were musical notes and I asked her about that, if she sang or played an instrument. And she said she sang. I was like, oh, I sang. And she said she sang at church. And I invited myself to come to church with her. I was like, can I come with you? <laughs> and it never like dawned on me not to go. And so that was like, I had read the Bible a lot and been in, um, been involved in, uh, um, you know, different, I actually taught Bible studies on campus and different things. But it was the first time when, you know, when we sat down to study the Bible together, I think that was the first time I'd ever really looked at the Bible for me personally, not just as something that I was learning about, but mm. something that was meant to um, really apply to me and to that I like that mirror, how, you know, the, yeah. you know, looking in the mirror, which I didn't really want to do. Mm. But um, that was kind of the first time I really had done that, despite having had knowledge a lot of knowledge before. Mm. So that was kind of the beginning gotcha. for me. <laughs> um, and how is like jumping ahead to like now? Mm -hmm. um, what does your, I guess, relationship look like now opposed to how it started? Oh my goodness. So different. <laughs> well, I was 25 then and I'm 52 now. So that mm. was, I have my... Um, you know, sometimes that's even the challenge to remember, right. you know, because it's so long ago. And so um, and obviously a lot, a lot of life has happened in those years. Um, I think that um, the thing that God has, I think, fundamentally changed, if I just think of one thing that has fundamentally changed in me mm -hmm. is I was not. I'm a very emotional person. I'm a very passionate person. If you've known me for five minutes, you can probably figure that out. Mm -hmm. In in my core, I would act on all of that, you know? So like, I was not faithful to someone if I was dating them. I um, was not faithful to, to sticking through things. I mean, I finished college, but I really was probably because I thought my dad would kill me and I was probably having a good time, you know? But um. <laughs> I wasn't a faithful person. I just kind of would flow with whatever I felt or whatever. What I, and, and so I feel like God fundamentally just changed me in that. I mean, I feel like now that's what people would describe me as, you know, that I've been married for almost 20 years. And, um, you know, it's um, I think just God has taught me to persevere it through, um, emotions and challenges and different things, but to not, not give up, which was not, is not who I am without God. Mm -hmm. I just give up. Yeah. Um, so I know that there's a lot of, that's just a basic. 
Yeah, I was going to say, I really, I can relate a lot to your your story and like your walk and kind of like that Matthew 7, like you're seeking and you will find. Mm-hmm. Um, and even how you were looking for God and other relationships or just like searching wherever you could. Um, yeah. I think that says a lot about your character too and how even though you think you weren't following through, at least you were like trying. Um and that I, I guess like Dom kind of asked you this, like how have you changed as a Christian? But like how has your understanding of God to evolved? Like, mm. you know, you come from a, not being really religious, um, and then finding religion in other things or people. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like where does God fall into that now and what yeah. is he about you? Yeah, I think that well just you know, they, they say whoever they is, you know, you hear they say whoever they is that, um, that we often can view God, how we view our father, our earthly father. Yeah. And um, I, my father is one of the hardest working people that I know. He is a naval officer. He's like, you know, he um, he's amazing and he just can accomplish so many things and very hardworking, very accomplished person. And so I think for the longest time, I viewed God in that way, that I'm as valuable as what I can achieve or what I can do. And um, I have struggled with that through through my whole Christian life, really. And I think having children has helped me in that more than anything, because, you know, you have this baby and this baby really can do nothing for you, yet you die for it. You know, this baby just keeping you up all night and you know, <laughs> whatever it just needs from you, yet I would die for them, you know, and then teenagers, it's like they're difficult, but you it's like I one day I want to strangle you, but I'm going to jump in front of a bus for you. You know what I mean? That kind of love that is not based on merit. It's not based on what you've achieved or done. And um, so I think that's a progressive thing that I'm learning. And even as I age that, um, you know, that your body changes and you can't do the things that you used to do. And um, having gone through different physical challenges, illness, um, surgeries, all of these things, And I would always struggle spiritually during those times because I felt like I, like God, I can't, I'm not, can't do anything. I'm just laying in this bed. I had surgery or I'm sick or whatever. Yet I feel like God has just lovingly been teaching me through the years that my value doesn't come from those things that, um, that God loves me for me, just, just for me, just like I love my kids I don't always I don't always like everything they do, but I love my kids just because they're mine mm-hmm. and that God sees me that way, I think is is a big change. I wanted to uh, take a small shift here. Um, but it still has to do with, I guess, how you saw God mm-hmm. opposed to how you see him now, mm-hmm. um, but more so. Uh, your misconceptions about Christianity. Do you feel like you've had misconceptions or uh, preconceived mm-hmm. like, thoughts or judgments toward Christianity mm-hmm. at first before you like dove in? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah, I um, <clears throat> well, I thought it was all about looking the part. Mm-hmm. 
like I said, I was um, dating. My boyfriend was in seminary, so I was going to be the Baptist minister's wife. So I went out and bought a lot of big collared dresses. You know, this is the 90s. Did you buy the hats too? No, not the hats. It's a different, that's, this is a different, this is like the conservative Southern gotcha. Baptist white church, you know, mm-hmm. so not, not too many hats there. <laughs> but, but, you know, the big collared dresses and I was going to look the part. Mm. And um, his mom never really liked me because I think I was too worldly and I needed to play the piano better and be more whatever, look the part. And so I think that um, my view of Christianity largely was you kind of got to look the part. Mm-hmm. and um act a certain way um and i don't know at that point if i understood the like sort of view of christian the judgmental side of things that that this i don't know that i understood that then or even saw that then and even what that was that hypocrisy of trying to look the part and then the judgment looking down on others for what you're you're doing yourself or is going through your own mind <laughs> But I think through the years, I've seen that just how much this Christian, I mean, you see it in all the movies and all whatever. It's like the religious person is often the most hateful, Yeah, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I think that is that people confuse God with people, you know, yeah. that God, that's not God, that's man. And, but that view of looking the part ha- is, uh, and just something I think that, I think I saw Christianity as the past. Um, what helped you? What helped you continue through even with those? Or would you even call them like hindrances? Like, do you think any of those thoughts hindered you from pursuing God? By the time I started to like really like when I met Elena and started to really look at the Bible, I was so desperate for God. I felt like I could always relate to Solomon. How yeah. Solomon had it all. You know, he had, you know, money because I I didn't come from a poor background. You know, I came from a, you know, most of my problems were problems I created for myself. I mean, my family wasn't perfect, but you know what I mean? I, I had, my parents were together. They loved me. They supported me. They paid for me to go to college. I didn't realize how, I didn't realize that that was, not everybody had that. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so, and then I, you know, had a lot of friends. I was in a sorority. I had you know, I did well at things. I had a lot of opportunity. So I had all of these things, yet I felt so much this need, mm-hmm. despite having, all, you know, and how Solomon, you know, it's like, by the end of it all, he's like, the only thing that really matters is God. And I think even at a young age, I felt that because, you know, often I think, like my husband and I, he comes from, he was pretty poor growing up. And so he could mm-hmm. struggle more with feeling like confidence in money. I'm like, mm-hmm. it doesn't, money doesn't buy happiness. Achieve, achievements doesn't buy happiness. Education doesn't, you know, you can't, you, I had all those things, but mm-hmm. still just felt the emptiness for God. Wow. So I was, I think that somehow I was there at a young age, maybe because I was just a wild child and figured, (laughs) burnt myself out quickly. And I can, I guess, relate to that from a different point of view, because I think uh, for myself or just people that may share my background, Mm -hmm. how they grew up, Mm -hmm. they can tend to be wrapped up in the American dream Mm -hmm. or they can be wrapped up in um, like making it. Mm-hmm. You know, like making it out, yeah. Uh, certain, you know, hoods or neighborhoods or yeah. ghettos. Mm-hmm. 
just reaching for a better life. Mm-hmm. And God is a byway of getting that better life or can he can be, you know, and like the prosperity gospel. Prosperity yeah. Gospel mm-hmm. comes right. that. yeah. But even uh, those who don't take it that far to prosperity gospel, mm-hmm. but just depending on God to supply a better life. Yeah. Um, and that life, you know, absent of struggle. Right. Um, Which doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. <laughs> um, no. and I, I think even for me, before I became a Christian, I think I was definitely like that, like yearning for God to save me from this like poverty almost. Mm-hmm. And like, man, you know, like, you know, you know, with the, you know, with the best directors, you know what I'm saying? You yeah. Know, my foot in the door and I'm yeah. in this movie and I'm going to get this award. I'm going to get my mother the house on the lake. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm going to be out here barbecuing. You know? Right. Uh, yeah. God's going to give me all of that. Right. Know? Yeah. You know? but, uh, to see that, like, to see that difference of what you said about, like, you know, it's even having those things still left you empty, mm-hmm. um, I think resonates. Um, yeah. There's a lot of different types of poverty. You know, you can be poor, not have material things, but, mm-hmm. or you can be poor and have, have it all, you know, it's that poor it, that is. Yeah. And, um, yeah, my, my parents, you know, were, they weren't from the hood, but they both grew up very poor. Mm-hmm. And, um, like my dad's father was an orphan from the time he was six years old and they lived in these small steel mill towns. And so like, my parents are in a sense, they are the American dream. And because they kind of worked really hard and this is that hard work, which there's good to hard work, but it can also be deceiving. It can become a God within itself, you know, this hard work. So then they worked really hard. They were the first in their families to go to college and they achieved a lot. And so that becomes like, even in a sense, a part of like my DNA that, um, so then, you know, you realize I can work hard and I can achieve things, but I'm still empty, you know, or you see that, you know, what, what people have achieved or done, but yet it doesn't satisfy your soul. Mm-hmm. There's still mm-hmm. a longing within you, yeah. no matter what you have. Yeah. 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 Uh, your phone, can you silence it? Oh, sorry. Maybe you can keep it in front of you in case anything emergency happens. I don't even, okay. How do I silence it completely? <laughs> Yeah, I didn't even know that button was there. Oh, wow. You can leave that on here so people can realize the generational gap. Realize the generational gap. gap that I didn't know that that button was. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> we just saved you a lot of trouble. Yeah, there you go. Sorry. I was, I was going to ask. Um, thinking about that like quote-unquote wild child that you say Mm -hmm. that you you were um Mm -hmm. do you think you could have seen yourself like if you had told yourself then that you'd be here now with the Mm -hmm. perspectives that you have and the and the relationship that you have with god and all of the things that you feel like you've grown in do you think Mm -hmm. that you would have like what would you have said do you think you would have made it here I think I would have been married and divorced two or three times by now, mm. which is very sad to say because um, of, well, I was almost married several times and God saved me from myself. Amen. Um, but yeah, because of that, you know, passionate, whatever, go with your feelings kind of thing. Um, 
I don't know that I would have been equipped, even though I had great examples of that. Like my family, I will say this great examples of getting married and staying married. You know, like a lot, like a lot of families don't have that, but there's not a lot of divorce in my family. And it's definitely not looked at as okay. Do you know what I mean? And so I had great examples. My parents started dating when they were 15 and have been married for 56 years. So it's like, I have great examples, but I don't know that I would have been able to do that. And, um, so I think that, um, I don't think it, I would be at all where I am right now. I mean, no, not at all. <laughs> I don't know where I would be, but it wouldn't be here. <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah. really, it's really, I mean, it kind of, uh, what's the word? I feel joy when I hear you say that. And even though I know it's somber to reflect on that and be like mm-hmm. that, you know, this wouldn't be the life you lived, but like, mm-hmm. wow, like to God be the glory that yeah. this mm-hmm. was the path that you took and you're mm-hmm. here and yeah. through the, you know, I'm sure I'm positive obstacles, struggles. Cause like you said before, we all have them no matter what hand we're dealt in this life. Yeah. Um, but that you still, you got the gift of perseverance um, mm-hmm. and you got to have a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. really, that means so much. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any hopes that you have currently for the younger generation? Um, whether they're you know, new in the faith or mm-hmm. just in the faith, but younger. Like yeah. Us. Huh? Like us. Like, like us. Like us, y'all. Yeah. I, I feel bad for a lot of the, I don't, I'm not really in tune with what's what, what's a millennial, what's a Gen Z or what's a, whatever we want to, whatever we want to call things. But I feel like um, growing up for those who who are growing up and even seeing my kids growing up yeah. in this internet age in with all of this technology, instant gratification, like there are certain things that I feel like aren't learned. That's not anybody's fault but like delayed gratification, Mm -hmm. like having to wait for things, understanding that you just don't get everything right immediately right now. And if you're not happy or you're not okay, something strange isn't happening to you. And there's not, yes, there are a lot of diagnoses, but just because you feel a little anxious or you feel a little depressed doesn't mean that there's something really terrible happening. You know, I feel like you know, in my day, it was if you didn't know what something meant, it was look it up and you had to go find some book or had to, if you wanted to talk to your friend, you had to wait, you had to go through their parents, you had to, do you know what I mean? There was this yeah. delay between getting everything. And now it's like this fast food society, I think it has hindered some character development that makes it hard for people even to persevere spiritually or to go through even some of the hard times that we've gone through, not just as a church, but as a society being able to see the long term that change happens over a long term, that if something isn't as you want it today, it's okay. You know, that, that, that change and things happen over long term. And I think that some of the, some of this, do you know what I'm saying by the, I I mean, not just the internet, but it, it affects, I think it has affected people's growth and their ability to, it's real. Yeah. Uh, it, it's uh, I think 
everybody is affected by it because we are still humans and mm -hmm. you know we've developed over generations and we used to farm we used to yes. hunt and yes that would take some time mm -hmm. and we're people operating in a real fast world with uh, a mindset like if something is here we mm -hmm. have to have it now yes um it's like sugar even you can get it quick off of that yes. but like if it's mm -hmm. like food that would be like take a long time for us to just we don't enjoy it as much right we're not getting that, right. that dopamine right yeah well and even relationships like i feel like relationships are hard for a lot of the younger generation because relationships are messy mm -hmm. you know relationships are not always pretty and clean and and there's a whole lot of conflict and uncomfortability and all of that that go with building a relation and there's a whole lot if you're going to do it right of waiting mm -hmm. And um, so I feel like that it's harder for younger people to recognize that, like, I don't have to have it all right now. And so then they, there's a temptation to run ahead because that's what everything has taught you your whole life yeah. and then end up brokenhearted or in trouble in a place where, you know what I mean? And um, so I, I think it's, I think it's hard. Yeah. It's. And we can't scroll through a whole feed on Instagram to know Jesus. We have to, absolutely. You know, we absolutely. have to experience yeah. life to know Jesus. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's not; it doesn't happen virtually. Mm -hmm. And that you know, that's it's it, it, living in that virtual world. And you can be anybody you want. Like I said, like this, you look a certain part. You can be whoever you want over a yeah. podcast. Like I'm really a. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um. I know uh, Gabriella has a question, but okay. just because that was a two-part question, yes. what is the hope that you have for your generation? Oh, yeah. For my generation? I I think that if we're talking about my generation, I think even like as I was saying to you, I feel like something that the younger generation is forcing us to do is mm -hmm. to really look at things differently because um, – I come from less than my parents, but my generation was still very much of a, you just suck it up and keep moving kind of a generation. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So a lot of the talk, like y'all's generation and younger is very passionate about changing things and changing the world and, and see, whereas I think my generation was more like, you just suck it up and deal with it and keep it moving. Do you know what I mean? Which isn't necessarily good either, but I think that we are because of, a desire, like I know for me and many people of my age group have a desire to connect and to be able to um, connect on a deeper level with younger people. Like I think we do see the need, but it takes a lot of listening and putting aside a lot of, um, because there also is, I also came from a generation of children should be seen and not heard. You know, so then it's like, I'm mm. supposed to listen to my kids all the time, but they're just supposed to listen to me. Do you know what I mean? It's like. I, I caught the tail end of that generation. Did you? Yeah. 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 And so then, and even biblically, it's like, you can be like, okay, yeah, we need to listen. However, really it is supposed to be the older training the younger. So y'all young people need to listen to us, which maybe there's some truth to that, but there also is this, I think we're learning more of a mutual respect mm. and being able to listen more and and gain from both because i feel like if we listen better then younger people will listen better too mm. and there can be more mutual because there is something great about that passion and that desire for change and that looking you know that i think my generation lacks but then there's something too for us the um 
the kind of practicality, the working hard, the um, perseverance that I think could, the younger generation could learn from. And together, I think that it could be great if we learn to listen to each other better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I wanted to say one thing too about what you were saying earlier about even just like, I feel like there's just an abundance of like over connectivity and, and like Mm -hmm. fast paceness, I guess if that's a word. And Mm -hmm. I, I got, I remember like having an Etch-A-Sketch as a kid and I remember like not having an iPad and all that stuff. But then like it turned when I was like 10 and I got an iPad or no, like an iPod or something. Um, But I definitely, I I think even as I'm getting older and I'm witnessing teens, um, I just see that there's like, there's this like severed, like, it's like, it's so different, so different. I I feel like I can't even relate to kids three years older than me. Um, And so, I mean, three years younger than me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I want to ask you later too about like, even your perspective, um, as a mom and as a parent and stuff um, about how we, you know, what would you say would entice kids more to like want to learn about God and want to learn about, um, I don't know, just other things. But I also, and maybe you don't know the answer to that, but I I first want to ask you a little bit more about like just reflecting um, about how, how churches change the evolution. Like we didn't touch a lot on like how you met with Elena rushing. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you started going to church, um, at the church we go to, um, and how have you seen that, um, evolved, evolve? Yeah. So the question is, how have I seen the church change? Basically, is that kind of yes? It was a ramble. Yeah. Sorry. No, 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 it's fine. I'm just making sure I understand what you were saying. Free context. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that um, you know our church has gone through a lot, many mm-hmm. changes in the times since um, you know I started coming out in um, 1995. So um, and. At that time, I think that um, some of the main things are even some of the things that we are learning as a society and that I do see even as a parent kind of going to, with that is that I can tell my kids things or and maybe they'll listen to me. It's kind of like parenting. You can scare your kids to kind of do anything. Like sometimes you see kids are so well behaved, but you don't know they're getting beat. You know what I mean? Behind the scenes mm-hmm. or f- fear. Fear is a motivator. And I think in the past, I don't know if it was fear that was used as a motivator in the church, but there definitely was more structure, more accountability. And um, in that, I think a lot of people were immature spiritually and didn't necessarily know how to go to God. It's like, I only know how to ask you for permission or whatever, rather than go to God and, and get my security from that. We taught the Bible a lot and we taught that in terms of what we said, but I think in practice, in some ways, it was more, we were taught to rely on people more. So I think like in anything, pendulum swing. And so maybe we were too focused before and then we can swing. There's been many pendulums swinging. So now it's like, I don't care what you say. I'm going to do what I want to do. You can swing these pendulums, which neither one of those are godly. And, um, I think when, when in any kind of organization or family or anything that that is always, always the challenge, you know, and even like 
it's like, okay, so we never talked about this is this is embracing matters of race is your thing. So we never really talked about race or culture much as a church. So we could also then swing the pendulum, which is somewhat some of us older people were feeling. It's like, okay, so now we're becoming like a so- social justice movement. That's not really supposed to be the kingdom of God either, mm-hmm. which do you know what I mean? Like we can we can swing pendulums. And I think that is what I've seen happen. And it's on where, you know, really fighting for what is godly. And I'm learning that doesn't always look, that doesn't look the same to every person, but we all have, you know, different perspectives in that. And all of those goals and things can be heard, but it's, um, we just have to be careful not to kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like all of that focus on people in one sense was not good, but there is something good. There is good you can learn from that. The Bible does talk a lot about advice and advisors and the community and all those one another's passages. We don't just get rid of those because maybe we didn't do it right before. Do you know what I mean? But so um, I don't know if that answers your question, but it's kind of, I've seen the, the pendulum swinging and, and the, um, and it's so funny. Okay, I don't know why I'm going to say this, but I will say it. Say it. So through the years, I think there was also in the past too much of a focus on who was sharp and who was whatever. Like you have and like prestige. Yeah, like so it's really awesome if somebody starts coming out to church and they're like some sort of sports person or they're a lawyer mm-hmm. or they're a whatever rather than you are the checkout person at the Walmart. All of those people or a homeless, they're all just as important to God. But we could be too focused on those things. And But what I've seen, and even like who goes into the ministry or who whatever, you need these sharp people or whatever, through the years, going back to different churches I was a part of or whatever, it is these quietly faithful people that are still around. These people that might be a little socially awkward, they may not have been the life of the party. You may, you know what I'm saying? But they are quietly behind the scenes, faithful, not up front, not asking for glory. And they have stuck around through all of these years. And they are faithful when I go back and see some of these people and many of these people that some of these sisters that were single when I was single and they're still single and they are and I'm like you are a hero (laughs) these are the heroes in the church I think and they're the ones that in the past you know would go unnoticed but I think are so noticed to God Mm -hmm. and I don't know that's something that has made an impression on me through Mm -hmm. the years seeing that through these pendulum swings and through all the challenges who it is that is really faithful are not the people that we thought necessarily were the most faithful in the past because they looked good. Like I said, it's about impressions, right? They looked good. Maybe. I don't know if that even makes sense. I think it does make a lot of sense because even looking back to what you said earlier about your first misconceptions or your first, your first perceptions of people in church were that they were really, these really put together per- people and they had to play the part and yeah. you find yourself doing that. Mm-hmm. And um, even going like through your walk, just like, just reflecting, I think with you, it's just like you wanted, you sought something, you were seeking something real out. Mm-hmm. And so it, it makes sense that you notice these people um, that I see, that we all see, that are faithful, that are there, that are reliable, that have persevered um, in spite of like what the world may have said that, oh, you should turn away from this. This is not, you're not getting out what you, what you should be getting out of this. It's just this, it's supposed to be this. And Mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense. I Mm -hmm. think it makes sense. So, so lastly, if you have any 
advice, whether for a younger generation or older generation, what, what type of advice uh, would you have for someone who's trying to live out the principles of God, uh, principles of the Bible? Mm-hmm. Um, what type of advice would you give them? I would say to, um, to be authentic, to talk about your, um, like, it's okay to have doubts. Mm-hmm. It's okay to disagree. It's okay to not understand. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we should, we shouldn't just gloss over those things and pretend like we're fine because we're supposed to be, you know what I mean? Right. Um, but to really, but, but to be willing to um, also then dig deeper to, to see God in the midst of those things. And um, I think that the more that we pray to see God and then keep our eyes open, like I love Psalm five, it says in the morning, I pray, I um, lay my request before you and wait with expectation to live a life of expectation and seeing God working in the littlest of ways. You know, we expect God, you know, sometimes, you know, we can be, we can be like, you know, um, the Jews who were waiting for this, you know, savior to come marching in on whatever, I think God works in the quiet. He works in, in, um, in these little moments and these little things. And if we're looking, we see him, um, but to, um, not give up honestly, because there's good days in that, just like any marriage, any relation. I mean, if you're friends with somebody for more than five minutes, they're going to get on your nerves. You're going to be disappointed. Do you know what I mean? Sorry, Don. Yeah. I mean, if you try to work together with anybody and you think we're work, we're working in partnership with God and, and there's going to be times of disappointment. There's going to be hills and valleys, but we've got to persevere through all of those things. I appreciate that. Um, Thank you so much, Susan, for joining us. Thank Um, you. We have a lot to like process because again, this is part two. Mm -hmm. Uh, So like the answers you've given uh, and the answers Darius has given. uh, Were mine better? <laughs> I'm not responsible for no they're more experienced. More I'm totally experience. kidding. Totally kidding. <laughs> Most definitely. But um, I think what was the same, at least what I caught, and I guess we can go around and talk about like what what is a like one similarity that you guys can pull out. Um the similarity that stuck out to me was that like God works. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think that shined through for both mm-hmm. is that like you both came to understanding that God works and mm-hmm. God goes ahead yeah, and we are to wait on him, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. Sure. If we go around the room, I think what I noticed was that you were also looking for something deeper than what you initially perceived. And, and maybe you got it and it's led to, growth and challenges, but you're definitely seeking something that, that the world doesn't have to offer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I, I reflected a little bit, but I think just, um, both of you, like Dom said too, like just had hearts that needed something more mm-hmm. and you, may have had interactions with religion in the past, but it was like, it was like a true experience for you and you seeking a relationship for your own mirror, not to impress anyone else, but not, Mm -hmm. not for this, but it was like, I'm just, I'm tired of this life and this lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, And you sought something realer and true. And 
you know, for Darius, it's been four years. Mm-hmm. Um, for you, it's been, um, you said over 20? 27 years. 27 years? Yeah, 27 years. Yeah, but just like yeah. dumping to see God work continually and mm-hmm. how your mind is changing. Like, I think a lot of times misconceptions of Christians that they're, and some are, like, like you said, pointing earlier, can be the most hard, cruelest represented or judgmental. Yes. That, like, for both of you, I feel like you're in constant awareness, or at least you've learned to be that you're changing, your perception mm-hmm. of God is changing, you've never arrived somewhere. Right. Yeah. So that's what I've noticed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so thank you so much. Um, you know, this podcast started off very much um, approaching uh, race as a whole and having conversations. It was uh, always built on God and how God sees us and how God would like us to interact. Mm-hmm. Um, and this season, um, we went deeper this season to really see and challenge ourselves, but really see how different people interact with things um, and the um, how people respond to things, whether it be in schools or on the internet or uh, in certain places where they live in poverty. Um, and now uh, within the church, uh, it's really important that we continue to just hear from different people and see the similarities, but also appreciate the differences. Absolutely. Um, so thank you so much for making this final episode of the season very special. Um, for our listeners out there, again, we love you guys. Thank you so much for rocking with us. Uh, we will be back in August, but please make sure that you uh, follow us on Instagram at embrace underscore podcast or check out our Reddit page at uh, r backslash embrace underscore M-O-R. Uh, we will definitely still be making content throughout the summer, uh, but our main podcast will take a short break. Um, thanks again. Thanks for rocking with us and we'll talk to you all later. Peace. Bye. Oh,